Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Welcome to The Ray Taylor Show, where I bring you reviews of the latest movies and TV shows, as well as classic and foreign films. I'm your host, Ray Taylor, and on this podcast, I'll be talking about all things film and television. Whether you're looking for a new show to binge or want to know if that blockbuster is worth the trip to the theater, or just want to hear my thoughts on a classic or foreign film, I've got you covered. So join me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for new episodes, and let's dive into the world of film and television together. On today's episode, I am finally talking about the newest Zack Snyder film, uh, Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child on Fire, came out last year, 2023, end of last year, uh, written and directed by Zack Snyder, co-written by Kurt Johnstad and Shay Hatton. This movie stars Sophia Botella, among others, among many others. In this movie, when a peaceful settlement on the edge of a distant moon finds itself threatened by the armies of a tyrannical ruling force, a mysterious stranger living among its villagers becomes their best hope for survival. Uh, overall, I had, going into this movie, a very low bar going into this movie. I think, personally, Zack Snyder is all style and no substance. An amazing visual style? Yes, he does have an amazing visual style. The man knows how to use slow motion he knows how to make things look good on camera but uh some of the worst writing in movies in all aspects of writing writing from a story narrative aspect to characters and dialogue uh i'm not a fan of his movies because of that because of that and despite my dislike of his work, I keep watching his films, hoping, hoping he turns things around, hoping that maybe he finds a writer to work with and he could stop writing and just direct movies. And even then, I don't have high hopes. But when studios like Netflix, previously like Warner Brothers, keep giving him all of the money to produce these big-budget films, uh, he's never going to change. And when his online simps or bots possibly wouldn't be surprised if many of the people that blindly and, and devoutly support his films are bots, uh, otherwise, regardless, the online community of his fans... Uh, when they are able to bully studios into allowing him to basically redo a movie, including adding a lot more footage, extending the runtime to a ridiculous amount, uh, you know he will never change. There's no reason for him to change. Nobody is saying change, except for all the people that don't like his movies. Uh, but he's not making movies for all of us, and f I don't know how the studios are making money off of him. But, uh, you know, he's uh, still doing his thing. Regardless, I watch every movie with the hope that I'm going to watch a good movie. Even if I ha may have low expectations going into this, knowing Zack Snyder movies, 
I had low expectations. The things I heard didn't help to raise that bar any. Still lowered expectations. But still, I'm hoping. I'm hoping it's good. I don't like wasting more than two hours of my time on a movie that's garbage. You know, and I continue to watch his movies along with other directors and actors I don't like because I want to see the moment they create something that lives up to their hype. There are so many. Not a lot, actually. There's a few. There's a few directors and a few actors that are just so overrated. So overrated. And, like, have get celebrated for what they put out. And I want to understand that <laughs> and hope that each new project will open a door to helping me understand that. But uh, this movie didn't do that. Rebel Moon, Part 1, Child on Fire did not change my opinions or thoughts on Zack Snyder. This movie is not good for a lot of the reasons that I will go into in this review. Uh, this is not a movie I would recommend to anybody watching unless they are already a Zack Snyder fan and don't know it. Uh, I, it actually makes me sad seeing, uh, how popular it is on Netflix. Uh, I would love to see the retention rate for the movie to see how many people clicked play versus bounced out in the first half hour of the movie like I did the first time I tried watching it. Uh, it also makes me sad to see so many vocal people in support of his movie, which I question the the real, the reality of these people actually being people and not just being bots. Regardless, uh, you know, I wasn't a fan. You know, and I've heard that he may release an extended cut, which seems to be the Zack Snyder thing. Put out garbage and then put out an extended cut, hoping that the overlong piece of garbage gets fixed with more footage, which sometimes worked. I definitely liked uh, Justice League, even though he didn't finish directing. That was kind of a project that got taken over but the Snyder cut of Justice League I did enjoy better than Justice League however it's still not good still you know it's still got all the same problems like he needs like he should be doing miniseries if he wants to do these long projects if he can't figure out how to edit down a movie to two hours or less uh then like I just I just this trend this trend in films being more than two hours long is uh, exhausting and the majority of films that are that runtime are the, the runtime doesn't isn't justified by the movie doesn't justify the runtime as opposed to a film like so many indian films that are close to three hours long all of those movies in my opinion the majority of them justify their runtimes but then there's this trend in in u.s films where it is just so much could be cut from these movies. And it's just people not, these directors not wanting to cut anything from their films. Not wanting to take any kind of uh, 
edit job to their work, their their masterpiece, as I'm sure they all think that they're creating. Uh, you know. However, this if he does do a an extended cut, uh, it will probably make for a better movie because if a lot of the stuff this movie is missing is probably I would assume it are the things that they would put in in an extended cut uh but the fact that they don't have any of those elements in this movie is baffling is ba- it's almost it's like it would be something somebody would do to sabotage a movie being released to put out the lesser version of a movie in order to put out the extended movie late I don't I don't it's like some delusional double dipping kind of scam that i i just don't i don't get i don't like just make a good just make a movie right the first time it's not like it's a movie that's went to theaters this is a netflix movie you don't have to worry about film stock and theaters needing to fit in enough screenings of a movie to make it profitable like this is you can have long you can have your long movie on Netflix. They're already paying you probably way too much money already. Just make the good movie the first time. And it's not like his theatrical cuts are even theatrical cuts. Like adding more footage to a thing isn't a director's cut. It is a new movie. It is it is closer to Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 than it is to a director's cut. And in addition to the writing he needs to, like, as far as getting better writers, he needs to find editors who can help him tell a story in some kind of satisfying way. One positive thing about this film is that it's not ruining some other franchise, despite the fact that it feels like it is explicitly copying another franchise and mixing in kind of elements from other movies. This is feels like it, it, it's just it's it's I, I'll get into it, but uh, this is a mess. This movie is a mess. Let's pause for a minute here. To all the art enthusiasts and lovers of unique creative expression listening in, I have a real treat for you. The Many Faces is a series that you simply cannot miss. These are not just any paintings. They're a journey into a world of abstract and surreal art, each piece meticulously crafted with ink on paper, showcasing a face with its own unique story. This series is a labor of love with new, breathtaking pieces Unveiled every single day, starting at just $20 for a 4x6 painting. These artworks offer you the chance to own something truly special, with larger sizes available for those who want to make a bolder statement. Picture an original, emotion-rich artwork from the many faces adorning your favorite room. Intrigued? Visit InspiredDisorder.com and choose a piece that speaks to you. It's more than art. It's a piece of a larger narrative waiting to be shared. Now let's jump back into the excitement of our show. 
So this movie is basically Star Wars. Big part of it is Star Wars. Plus Seven Samurai. Plus Guardians of the Galaxy. But a big aspect of it is Bill and Ted's. B basically, this is Star Wars meets Bill and Ted's. Excellent adventure. Uh, except all of those movies are actually good and tell a compelling story. Where this movie is just like, let's combine these elements because those are things people like and are well regarded. So thus adding those things will make this good and well regarded. But despite that, despite the blatant copying of other works, which it's one thing to be inspired by other works. It's one thing to see what Quentin Tarantino does with his films. It's another thing to see what Zack Snyder does in this film, which is just like this bizarro world Star Wars movie. But the writing is bad. The dialogue is bad. Actually, the dialogue is mostly non-existent. This movie is full of moments and monologues. This is... The dialogue is, is absent. And one of the issues I have... One of the many issues I have from this. You have characters just telling each other their characters' backstory in long extended monologues with sometimes, most of the time, there's a few exceptions to this but while these characters are sitting down instead of having a conversation like normal human beings do whenever you see two characters in a scene together one of those characters is going to go on a long monologue about who they are and where they're from and we may most likely see visuals of those the story they're telling shown in a slow motion montage kind of visual style well, you know, the other times we're just watching a character give this basic monologue, this exposition of their character. No real human interactions. Aside from the villains, there's a few interactions. There's, like, apparently he's really good at writing villains and giving villains kind of fleshing out their characteristics. But when it comes to the heroes, when it comes to the protagonists of this film, it is empty. It is void. There is nothingness. But to try and be positive, I do like the character design. Obviously, you know, it looks like Star Wars. Very much Star Wars characters are in this movie. I don't know if they're actual Star Wars characters, but they look like they should be in a Star Wars movie. So I do like the visual, the creature design. And, and what I would say, this is like uh, whatever a Star Wars movie would be if you were in an alternate universe, right? If you were in an alternate reality where all of the franchises we know today in this reality no longer exist, but in this alternate reality, there's kind of like the red box, you know, bootleg equivalent of what we're used to right slightly off this is the star wars movie in that alternate universe but i would say to give Zack snyder credit visually i would say much better than most star wars movies visually 
visually, I say, better action than most Star Wars movies, I would say. I like the fact that they have, I mean, they have lightsabers and laser guns. The way they're changed in this, the lightsabers smoke for some reason and look more like swords, but they are glowing swords, but that smoke look cool. And then their guns that fire lasers look a little bit beefier. They're more hefty guns. I have no idea why a laser gun would recoil when you shoot it. Guns recoil because there's an explosion going on and you're firing a bullet, uh, you're firing mass out of this thing. And the explosion is what causes that bullet to fly out. Whereas lasers, it's not like, imagine turning a flashlight on and it having recoil. That's just how stupid, that, like it's just, it doesn't make any sense, but whatever. It's cool. They look cool. It looks like they're shooting bullets, but the lasers are coming out. So it's like it, they kind of like have the look and feel and sound of guns, but lasers come out. I don't know. It's a, a little bit different, a little bit cool, cooler than, you know, the S Star Wars, since that's the exact thing that it's replicating. But instead of making me excited to watch the follow-up to this movie, it really kind of just makes me want to go back and rewatch all the Star Wars movies, which I, w I will do at some point in order to rank them. Um, it's just I know the Star Wars franchise, I mostly don't like the movies. <laughs> the majority of movies in that franchise, I'm not a big fan of. But it will be nice to go through and rewatch that franchise and maybe get uh, a different perspective on it watching them all together uh but yeah so that's what this movie kind of makes me want to do watch a completely other franchise of movies uh but the thing that this movie doesn't do that the star wars franchise is amazing at most successful franchises for that matter are really good at are the iconic characters but in this movie there are no iconic characters i mean you could say that cora is an iconic character but I, aside from looking at IMDb and seeing her name as Korra, I don't know any of the names of any of the characters in this movie. They don't, we don't get to know any of them, even though some of them, we get to listen to them telling a backstory. We get some of Korra's backstory as this like warrior. We don't know any of these characters as they're being collected. And we never see these characters interact with each other. There's no human interaction between them. It's all seen, things happen, maybe a monologue, action sequence, go to another location, scene. Like, it's just, there's no, like, back and forth. There's no dialogue. There's no conversations. There's no way to organically get to know any of these characters in any meaningful way. And this movie is supposed to be like some epic space journey. But with no connective tissue between the locations that they go to. Right? It's a collection of scenes and new places introducing new characters. 
but we know nothing of these places or these characters. It's also, I'm also curious why he is so obsessed with making spaceships look like dicks in his movies. And in this movie, he makes wormholes look like vaginas. Like Zack Snyder is like, makes movies for bro dudes. He makes movies for immature, like, like college age frat guys that like he puts the dicks and the pussies on screen along with like a lot of homoerotic imagery that goes back through all of his he's always got men who are muscular and cut and always making poses like all of their all of the times you see dudes with their shirts off or wearing tank tops they're always like almost giving like bodybuilder poses in these scenes it's just the elements that are in a Zack Snyder film are very interesting there's always penis shaped ships now we're seeing vagina shaped black holes all the men are ripped and and half naked and posing this is very much a male gazy film as much as you know directors putting gorgeous women wearing very little clothes in order to just see gorgeous women and be the female gaze type of movies this is very much the male gaze of movies and it's so interesting to see the bro dudes fall in love with these movies same thing happened in 300 same thing with man of steel like all of these movies are like made for like bro dudes. These movies are made for dudes that self-identify as alpha males, right? That put in their social media profiles alpha male, right? Maybe they have pictures of themselves shooting guns. Maybe they have American flags on their hats and Punisher logos on their trucks that are lifted right but the they love to see these na half naked gorgeous men in Zack Snyder movies but again it's all visuals all of those things in Zack Snyder films are visu visuals they're not story there's no story no compelling story I don't remember like aside from having to look down at my screen to see the names of these characters I don't remember a single character. I remember, like, I, I can see that, like, I visually remember the character. Like, Cora character is interesting. I mean, we're introduced to her plowing a field for some reason. And we see her kick ass throughout this movie. But she's not, like a Han Solo or a, a princess or what the characters from <laughs> I'm blanking on all the characters from Star Wars but you know the memorable characters R2D2 C3PO Chewie fucking Luke Skywalker his sister that he's I'm blanking on her name <laughs> but like there's none of those here. There should be. Oh, Titus. Oh, Gunner. Oh, yeah, Atticus Noble. Oh, 
Um, Darian Bloodaxe. Uh, Kai or Cal. No, Kai. Kai. Kai is Han Solo. No, there's none of that. Time for a quick pause from our episode today. Listeners, let's envision a unique addition to your world of art. Picture an artwork that's not just a feast for the eyes, but a rare gem in itself. Enter the realm of the many faces. Available now as exquisite limited edition prints. These artworks aren't just visually appealing. They capture a blend of abstract and surreal art each telling its own silent yet profound story. What sets these prints apart? I personally hand sign and number each one, ensuring that you hold a piece of exclusive artistry. And here's the great news. Luxury doesn't have to be unattainable. With prices starting at just $5 for a 4x6 print, it's art made accessible for every budget and every wall. So, art lovers, collectors, and everyone in between, seize this opportunity. Add a touch of sophistication and uniqueness to your space. Visit InspiredDisorder.com now to claim your piece of this limited edition series. Now, back to more of what you love in our show. But I do want to talk about spoilers. I want to talk about specifics in this film. So, if you don't want to be spoiled go check out this two hour little it's not that long over two hours two hours 13 minutes feels a lot longer uh but check it out and come back and if you don't mind you just want to hear me talk shit about this movie in detail uh stick around spoiler warning from here on out so of course this movie opens with an explosion and a penis like ship traveling through a wormhole that looks like a space vagina you also get voiceover that seems like it would be what like instead of the star wars opening crawl where the audience has to read words uh, Zack snyder's audience apparently unable to read words and of course Zack snyder not wanting his movie i'm sure to seem exactly like a star wars movie so instead of so replacing words written words with a voiceover we get a voiceover kind of kind of setting everything up but it's doesn't matter you don't have to pay attention to that if you don't want uh everything looks like it's a studio set like when they show this planet and you see Cora plowing the fields, uh, it looks like they're on a giant studio set and then there's a green screen or possibly the uh, the new thing that they're using. The uh, I forget what the new thing. They're like giant screens, like giant LED screens that instead of using green screen, you can actually see the background uh this giant video background i forget what the that new technology is called but that's what it looks like it looks like they're on a set doesn't look like they're on any location anywhere it's just studio set doesn't make sense why the tiniest woman in this village is the one plowing the field obviously she's a badass but doesn't make any sense and especially the fact that she's like 
she goes from plowing a field to this like gathering that everybody in the village is having and in that moment she decides to change into a dress so she's a woman who likes to kick ass but make sure that she's dressed you know she's dressed as a woman inside the th- she wants to make sure she's wearing a sundress because that's i you can't have a woman just wearing the overalls or whatever it is she was wearing while she's plowing the field like all the other characters are just wearing the thing that they wear previous to this gathering but she has to change into a dress i don't know takes a while before we get to the first action scene but it's a good one the action scenes are pretty good in this uh you get to see her kicking ass in slow motion interesting slow motion stuff uh you have you know it's the fascist uh against the the humble farmers uh and uh there's a scene the fascists are in town and they're gonna they're taking over they're commandeering this farm land which is like all of these planets could all be all these like locations that they go to in this movie could all be on the same planet because like you go to a planet Imagine, like, Earth being a planet of all farmers. It would make no sense. Like, if you have a planet of people, then there's going to be some farmers. There's going to be some artists. There's going to be some people that make the cars. There's going to be some people that make the the food. That, that Somebody that, that, like, that's the military. Like, there's all of these aspects to a world not just like oh this is the farm world oh this is the rebellion world oh this is the this kind of world i don't know it's like oh this is the desert world it's like like we have desert and forests and mountains and oceans all that stuff on one single world ice all that stuff but you have to go to an ice world it's just i don't know that's something sci-fi movies in general tend to have like this narrow scope of these worlds that they go to but the fascists that take over the this farming world they want to rape one of the girls and of course like this is like the disgusting nature of these evil fascists in the opening of this movie is like the most compelling writing that happens in this entire movie and it's for the most despicable and disgusting people so i don't know what that says about Zack snyder that he is so good at writing for disgusting and horrible people and for everybody else it is long extended monologues but it is what it is but them wanting to rape this girl is what is the catalyst for things changing where you have this robot that disappears for the rest of the movie and of course is going to be coming back but this robot saves this girl because of course they had a moment where the robot gave a monologue to this girl telling you where the robot was from and the idea is okay we we killed the these military people for this fascist overlord government that's wants to take over everything so now there's going to be backlash. There's going to be an invasion. There's going to be a retaliation. So they have to go. This is the Seven Samurai. They've got to go to all the other villages that exist only on different planets to get warriors to come back and help them fight 
against an army, right? They need a collection of badasses to come back and fight against an entire army, which that doesn't make sense either. So they set off on this journey to get help, right? Now that they kill these guys, and as they are on this journey, things just look like they're on sets again, studio sets. Nothing feels like we are even outside, let alone on another world. Like everything feels like they are in a controlled studio environment. A lot of characters telling stories to each other, uh, some reenactments. They meet the Han Solo guy, Kai, played by charlie hunnam which i like charlie hunnam he's okay yeah like okay he's doing the the uh, you know he's he's a pilot with a fast ship this is kind of a criminal very much the han solo character and of course you the evil general and has is super into tent tentacles very sexually into tentacles apparently which that scene is kind of bad CG. Aside from the sets that they are filming on that look like sets, uh, that look bad, the CG tentacles uh, don't look that great either. And of course, they effortlessly find all of these people that they need to find. It. This is the moment. The, this. So much of this movie is Bill and Ted's. Right, except for with Bill and Ted, it makes sense, and they do it better. Right, Bill and Ted, they get a, a telephone booth that's a time machine. They have a book of all the different times they can go to. They type in the code. They go to that time. They need to do a history presentation, so they go and they take all of the history people throughout time. Right, in this movie, it is them in a spaceship a fast spaceship so they're able to travel to these worlds really quick uh, and they are just going to effortlessly collect all of these badasses to help fight an army and one of the first places they go to they effortlessly go to they find what looks like matthew mcconaughey in blackface this is a melanated mcconaughey he looks like a young Matthew McConaughey from many angles which is strange like at first I thought it was an aged down Matthew McConaughey like super tanned super tanned but it's not and of course they don't have any money he's like a slave so they don't have money to free him to buy him so out of nowhere, this slave owner's like, oh, I'll gamble you. I like gambling. Let's gamble. So the gamble is like McConaughey's got to go break this giant hawk creature, right? I don't know what a griffin. Maybe it's a griffin. <laughs> uh, kind of has four, four, almost like a bear's body, but then like uh, the head of, a, of like an eagle or whatever. McConaughey's got melanated McConaughey's got to go break this giant hawk um or if he does then he will go free if he doesn't they're all gonna be slaves which is just stupid uh which just means that he could have been freed at any time really if that's all he had to do 
Um, and of course, he's the the uh, Griffin Whisperer. Like he, he effortlessly breaks this animal. Not only breaks this animal, but also makes it so the animal is only obedient to him. And in this process of breaking it, this it, Zack Snyder implements his avatar, um, the James Cameron avatar movie reference, with this guy jumping off a cliff in slow-mo, in the Zack Snyder slow-mo. You know, the sun, this guy floating through the air as he's about to jump onto this griffin, eclipsing the sun that's in the background. Right, It's kind of a beautiful scene, this slow-mo scene, as Zack Snyder is... The only thing he's good at doing is he's slow-mo scenes. Some action scenes are good, too. And he jumps on this griffin and then flies it back. Like, all of a sudden, him and the griffin are, are good buddies. And then when they fly back, you have Korra kind of grazing the the underside of the wing of this creature. Like, uh, just all of these, like, in slow-mo... It's good at these slow motion moments. So, of course, they leave with Melanated McConaughey. And instantly, the slave owner tries to jump on this griffin and, of course, gets slammed. So, instantly doesn't work. Like, the fact that he would let him go before testing that this griffin is actually broke, quote-unquote, broken and trained uh, is stupid. But they leave. And as she leaves, she asks the Han Solo character uh, if he happens to know of anybody else. And he's like, yeah, I got a couple guys that we can go to. So they effortlessly, he, no research needed. They got, they found a guy who's got not only a fast ship that will get them there, but also knows where they all are. Now, yes, for those that have seen this movie, that aspect of this movie, why Kai knows where everybody is, definitely gets explained at the end. But while you're watching the movie, it's stupid. It's stupid. Like, the fact that he is, the end of this is him being a double cross and knowing the intention of why he was able to get everybody seems like a bit of writing to make up for the fact that they were effortless they so effortlessly got everybody and even still doesn't make sense so they leave uh so next is uh an asian woman with who's fighting has to fight a spider for some reason uh, and the spider has a child in its arms for some, like there's, they go to another place and it's just like they, these people, Cora and Kai and Melanie McConaughey, they're just chilling, watching, spectating as the person that they need to get, which during the fight, it's unclear which three of those, which one of those three characters is actually being pursued. Is it the woman Fighting the giant spider, is it the giant spider or is it the girl that the spider lady is holding? No idea. No idea why she is wanted or what she can contribute. And they're just like watching. They're just spectating this whole thing. 
watching this person that they're there to you know watch they're there to watch this person do an impressive thing like they watch melanin melanated mcconaughey do an impressive thing they show up they find the person effortlessly they watch that person do an impressive thing and then they go very much bill and ted plucking people from history we we don't except for these aren't historical characters so we don't know anything about them unlike the bill and ted movie where we kind of know napoleon genghis khan socrates come on the action however some great moments in the action right finally there is a little bit of interaction on the ships on the way to the next place that is the aspect of this movie that i think they'll add in if there is an extended cut is showing these people on the trip to the next place which would allow for these people to have interactions inside the ship and to get to know these people a little bit more organically than just sitting two characters down where one is delivering a monologue at the other one. And that's what happens. The interaction on the ship is Cora sitting down to tell Kai her backstory. Which happens twice. She doesn't finish, so she has to go back to it. And then they get to the rebel planet, which the way the rebels speak is like feels they're like they're desperately trying to be profound with everything they say which ultimately feels like Zack Snyder was trying to write profound words for these people like he felt like that was going to be profound this these rebels are going to say things and like this beautiful way that's going to be so impactful but it just feels so out of place just doesn't feel true and then you have the people like the rebels are like i don't know if i want to do this but then slowly they come forward to volunteer to fight and then the movie score the score of this movie is desperately trying to make you feel emotional right it's trying to make you feel like that moment in the avengers movie when all of the different people are showing up through portals to help fight against the big bad guy in the last movie right except for it's his people a group of rebels we know nothing about people stepping forward we don't know anything we'll never know anything about and we're supposed to feel like emotional that these no-name people that are probably just going to get killed anyway are stepping forward to join this thing based on nothing and then there's the double cross with han solo but so unearned right it's a good idea it's an interesting idea him using her mission to collect all these people for bounties which explains why he was able to knew where they all were my thing is all of these people are the elite of the elite these people that are being brought in to help fight why is it that the elite of the elite aren't questioning why this guy kai 
knows exactly where to find them. Why aren't these people who are the elite of the elite unable to identify who might be a bounty hunter? It just it's just so unearned. And of course, despite the fact that they're all like get caught in these like scorpion prison things that grab them and they can't get out some they when they're able to get out kind of cool they're able to escape the final battle and her facing off against the evil general was very underwhelming uh, his resurrection at the end was cool visually very cool visually but just more talking from the boss and the the dad who we find is the dad of Korra or the boss and is talking to Korra's dad. Like it it sets up for like oh there's even more to this story. There's even more characters that we don't know about. And maybe this movie suffers from the fact that it's a part 1. I said this on the most recent Mission Impossible movie I watched. I've mentioned this in comparison to the second Matrix film. Uh, all of these movies that are coming out as part ones, the Spider-Verse movie is another one. I hate it. This one has at least kind of an ending, right? They fight off against all of these people that have been collected that we don't know anything about. They're fighting, and she has a one-on-one -on -one battle against the big bad, but he's not the big, big bad, right? It's just, and it doesn't even matter, like, they kill him, but they just bring him back anyway. So it's like, I don't know. It's just so unearned. Will I watch part two? Sadly, I might watch part two. Will I watch a director's cut if there is one? I will probably, if, I possibly, to be, I'll watch it before watching number two. Like, instead of re-watching this movie to prepare for part two, and just watching the director's cut, uh, I might do that. Cons but it'll be like a background thing. I'm not going to review it. I'm not going to focus on it. I'm not going to study it. But I'll put it on in the background. I'll probably put it on while I work. Before before watching the first this part two. Would I be sad or even notice? If this film completely disappeared, if this, if there was never a part two, if this movie like was treated the way movies are treated by the Warner Brothers Discovery CEO who just deletes shit, who will fully fund, produce, and, uh, and then can a movie right before it gets released uh, for no real reason. Uh, if Netflix did that to this movie, I wouldn't notice. I wouldn't care. In a few years, I'd be like, hey, wait, weren't they going to do, wasn't there that, remember that Zack Snyder Star Wars movie? Wasn't that like a part one? Whatever happened to that? Right? Meanwhile, Zack Snyder's doing Guardians of the Good Gahool part two. I'm like, wait a minute, wasn't he going to do another sequel? But like I said, all style, no substance. You have attractive people in attractive settings that look like sets in a studio, but it's not enough. It's not It's not enough. I need to care about these characters. I need to see them interact with each other. 
I want to see some semblance of reality in these movies. Real conversations, not just one-sided monologues with slow-mo montage visuals. I do love the slow-mo and the visuals, don't get me wrong, and the action, but the writing is just garbage. I'm just hungry for original stories that aren't based on IP. Yet this film is such a copy of Star Wars and Seven Samurai, it doesn't feel like it's an original story at all. It feels like a red box bootleg somehow got a massive budget. I just hope the world wakes up to the fact that Zack Snyder is a bad director and even worse writer, right? He needs to work with an editor who can help him release a movie that's under two hours that doesn't require a director's cut to make up for the first, the bad first attempt. And work with writers. He needs to step away from the writer's room. This had three writers on it. Zack Snyder and two other people. Zack Snyder needs to not be in that room. He needs to hire people that write badass scripts, and he needs to stay out. Stay out. And then he needs to work with an editor that's not afraid to cut out some of this slow-mo stuff in order to tell some kind of story. Or Netflix needs to give him money to do a miniseries. Let him do his six-hour-long bullshit and then chop it up into episodes. This easily could have been a series. And each episode in the series is them going to collect a new person. And then the series ends with those new people. After we've gotten to know them over the course of a miniseries, we, we, are, we are surprised when Kai is uh, a two-timer. And we rejoice and celebrate when these characters that we've come to know and love defeat, seemingly defeat the bad guys. But we don't get any of that in this movie. But what we do get from this podcast is my thanks to all of you for tuning in to The Ray Taylor Show. And that I hope you enjoyed my thoughts on Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child on Fire, which is... There's no children in this movie, let alone children who are literally or metaphorically on fire. But don't forget to tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for more movie and TV show reviews. And join the conversation by leaving a comment or rating on your favorite podcast platform or over on YouTube.com slash Inspired Disorder where these are all available in video form. Until next time, enjoy better shows. Subscribe to The Ray Taylor Show on YouTube and everywhere podcasts are found. Binge the full week ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. Purchase Ray Taylor Show merch over at InspiredDisorder.com. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace out! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.